and welcome back to Hey Eintracht Frankfurt, the Bundesliga podcast covering everything there is to know in the English language about Eintracht Frankfurt, the best club in the Germany, the best club in the Bundesliga, the best club in Europe, the best club in the world for that matter, but we're a little bit biased. I'm your host, Brian Sanders. You can follow me at KCSGE on Twitter. You can follow the show. That is Hey Eintracht Frankfurt at, uh, is at HEFPond. You can also follow the show on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash H-E-F-Pond. You can also email the show, hey, I'm Drake Pickford at yahoo.com. I never do this alone. Roman in San Francisco. Hello, Roman. Forget to see them. Europa's beste Mannschaft. Europa's beste Mannschaft. SKE. Of course, I am uh, absolutely stoked about uh, these times we're in. It is awesome to be an Eintracht fan supporter. It's just like 1992. Really? Just like the 90s, huh? It kind of has the feel. When we had your boat. Oh, man. Why, was, why wasn't I born, you know, like in Germany to have been able to enjoy the run of the 90s where we won multiple, where we, no, I guess we only won the Bokal in 88. We did kind of have more kind of title wins. And that time we had, what, the top Four finishes like five years in a row. Yeah, know. but we were like we were like uh, we were a, we were a Europa League or UEFA League regular, so to say, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, it was we were. Some people said we could win the championship, right? Like I mean, we almost did in '92. So it was um, we had we 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 started a new era of soccer, right? The football 2000, and uh, we probably had one of the best players. But the times were different. We were able to keep the, those players, right? So. That's what it's going to be totally different. Even if this season goes amazingly well, and let's even if, and I just put up the Champions League box, right? We make it to, to the Champions League this season. It's so much unlikely that we can keep those players together, right? However, mm-hmm. we have so many cool and good players that we won't lose all of them, right? So even if we lose Haller and maybe Rebic, you know, there's still Jovic, and then we still got they're going to get somebody else out of the hat, you know, like I'm really confident of Ben Manga, the scout and even Freddy Bobic, you know, that I don't need to worry about us like going to shits, kind of like Cologne, you know, when Cologne lost, what was the guy's name again? <laughs> I already forgot. Anyways, you know, uh, Modest. Yeah, Modest, you know, like they were like the shits, you know, they didn't have anything. And like we have three top scorers, right? Right now, top mm-hmm. uh, attackers uh, forwards. And, um, we can get rid of one, and I don't think it would hurt us. Of course, we would not be a top team uh, as, as much top as we are right now. Um, but let, let's see how long it's going to last anyway. So right now I'm, I'm full of euphoria because uh, as an Eintracht guy, I know it might not take long. You know, Maybe we lose against Schalke or we lose three games in a row because we're tired and I don't know. Or the uh, the other team found uh, the magic source to beat us, you know. Um, they they found the way to stop the herd of buffaloes. Um, but until they <laughs> cannot stop this herd that is just running over uh, the defensive line of each team, uh, I I stay euphoric here. And that's what and that's what I mean. Like this is the kind of feeling that I had when I was a little kid. You know, you had this this uh, Bin Spein Müller Yeboa where you knew exactly this the like Bins would kind of like as as the the libero would kind of like catch the ball, pass it on to uh, Müller, or then Bayern doing the deadly pass to Yeboah, and you would know if one of these guys had the ball, it's going to be dangerous. 
And that's the feeling that I have again. You know, it's the first time since uh, 20, almost over 20 years where I have the feeling when they have the ball, they know what to do. You know, they get through. Like, how do you stop Rebic? You know, the way he, he takes the ball, he, he uses the header to, um, um, you know, you, to, to pass forward to, to himself. You know, like, he's just a bull. He, all of them, like Haller. Um, even Gacinovic, who's not a real bull, who's more like a gazelle, you know, more like or a zebra, I don't know, but he's so quick and, and, and wit. It's, uh, um, um, yeah, it's amazing. And, and in addition, they're all having fun. You know, the way they play, like the way Jovic, uh, the game against Stuttgart, the way he kind of tried to loop uh, up uh, the ball, you know, in, in the center. I mean, they're just having so much fun. They're unstoppable. I mean, right now, uh, let's talk in a couple of weeks again. But it's the first time I'm having this feeling since 20, over 20 years, 30 years almost. So um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's good to watch. But we all know our Frankfurt, so, you know, uh, it can change any the diva. Yeah, it can change any time. So uh, let's enjoy it while it lasts. Indeed, indeed. So let's start talking about the awesomeness that was Eintracht of what the last week. So Eintracht July, Stuttgart, null. <laughs> Danke. Bitte. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, Sebastian Aller and Rebic. Uh, okay, admittedly, uh, one of those goals correctly called off, but you know. What are you going to do with that? Uh, totally legit. <laughs> but, yeah, exactly. Totally legit on that. But, hey, look, Eintracht Frankfurt getting, you know, a very good, solid, you know, 3-0 victory. That is exactly what the club needed. And, hey, go figure that we would be sitting in sixth place. An amazing position to be in. I mean... I'm still over the moon about that, <laughs> and yet we still have Shaka Nofia to play against. But the thing is, you know, you just looked at the team that Stuttgart has assembled, and you just kind of scratch your head and wonder, it's like, wow, they spent how much money on this? Yeah, it's uh, it's it's almost sad to see, you know. And what I think is the it's the dangerous. Uh, I'm not going to get there, but I'm just going to scratch that. But it kind of shows. You know that money is not everything. You know, and it's it's also the difference between a a team that kind of has to earn the money themselves versus a a, a sponsored <laughs> team. Because like you know, if if Leipzig would do these mistakes, uh, they would just re they just pour more money in, right? Where for Stuttgart, it's going to be a game changer. You know, if they really fuck this up, uh, it's going to be tougher. I mean, okay, they still got Mercedes Benz. You know, maybe pouring in a little bit more. But, yeah, uh, but I mean, that was entirely based on the fact that they thought, hey, we finished in seventh. Eintracht's not going to win the Pokal. We won it. And then they're like, Ugh. yeah. And now they're just taking it right in the nuts. I mean, they got a world. Like, I mean, right now they are really, really, really. Good Lord, they are bad. I mean, bad, 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 bad. They and they have a world champion in Marcus their defense. Marcus Weinzel needs a lot. Of, yeah. I mean, Pavard, it's not like as though he was a, you know, a nobody as a part of that France team. He was a major yeah. participant in that France team that won, that won the, you know, the title. I mean, look, I get it that, you know, when it comes to scoring, you don't really have much going for you. But, I mean, oh, yes, my dear. Uh, sorry, folks. <laughs> Dog right over here decides, you know, I need to squat right next to my dad. 
right right next right being in amongst it with hey i'm drunk right in addition to just being next to family which is what is important uh this stuttgart team did not play like a you know a family a bunch of guys playing you know together for the team it has looked like a bunch of individuals and you know the money that they spent you know, uh, Castro, Dadavi, you know, Bangato, uh, Oran Kampf. I mean, you know, I can start going down this entire roster of all the players that have been brought in uh, for, for Stuttgart. Uh, as Kaber, I mean, look, they spent so much money, and the thing is, they look at talent that could pan out, but the thing is, they really needed this season to pan out. Otherwise, this was going to be an absolute an implosion. Because the team is incredibly young. And I got a funny feeling that it is going to be exactly that. The team is going to implode. And they are doing that right now. We'll see what happens in the future. But, uh, hey, at the end of the day, you're bottom of the Bundesliga right now, you fools. Yeah, it's uh, it's almost almost sad to say because obviously I don't want to go I don't want them down. A traditional team. Yeah. Really traditional Even team. though I don't like them that much because they stole a uh, championship uh, from us. Uh, we talked about 92. Um So um it was true. It was true. And uh, but but still, you know, I don't want the Bundes- I don't want them to go down. You know, there are other teams that have to go down, like Leipzig, like Hoffenheim, like Wolfsburg, like Leverkusen. Uh, you know, there are enough teams that have to relegate, but not Stuttgart. So, um, yeah, what what can you what can you do? But I mean, we've we've also played really well. You know, maybe they're tired. Maybe their coach didn't do a good pre uh, preseason preparation. You know, maybe they were tired. Maybe they're just not ready to play for ninety minutes. And then you got the uh, herd of buffaloes. Uh, um, you know, just running over them. Uh, you know, it's okay. I mean, like trampling them. There we go. Exactly. It's a stampeding. You know, it was definitely there was a stampede and uh, nothing to stop. And they're not the first ones, right? Hanover had to feel the stampede. And uh, of course, even Lazio Rome uh, was, was feeling the stampede. And, uh, you know, so now Stuttgart is, and, and Schalke is going to be the next one, right? So um, uh, here, here I'm, uh, I'm, <laughs> Indeed. I'm, I'm, I just have my hopes up. You got really lucky. Limassol, you got very Limassol, lucky. Limassol, they too. Eintracht. Three, exactly. three. Eintracht. Dry, Limassol. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, they scored two. Uh, yeah, but well, only because Stindera, we did. Uh, Stendera getting sent off. I thought that the first one. Look, this the guy who scored both of their goals is basically uh, their entire offense. The dude has ba- numbers. Will not lie. He basically has been the guy to produce for those guys. And yeah, anyways. Um, Eintracht was able to punch in three before the 60th minute. And, I mean, can't really blame the players for conceding one. It's just kind of like, eh, no big deal. And, you know, the red card, the, you know, the penalty goal was really at the death of the match. The important thing is, Eintracht, four matches played in the group phase and full 12 points. We're into the knockout phase. In addition to the likes of Bayer Leverkusen, who have confirmed themselves for the knockout phase as well. So, uh, good on for the rest of the Bundesliga, which has really struggled in recent years in terms of uh, making the knockout phase for this competition. But, 
gotta get excited because that's an extra, you know, like what three to five million euros that is guaranteed money coming to the Eintracht, and then it's all to play for. That is, you know, who knows who we have in the round of thirty-two? We'll find out in December, but uh, it's a great moment to bask into in this glory. Yeah, yeah, it's. Uh... Yeah, what can you say? It's just, yeah, it's a good time to be a Frankfurt supporter, yeah. Indeed, indeed. Uh, let's talk about, uh, talking about glory days, uh, Roman, Eintracht Legends. And we'll be able to talk a little bit more about this in depth. We have a guest who is going to be joining us in just a few moments. Uh, but uh, Okan Nikolov, who I was able to talk to, uh, what was that, uh, about a month ago, uh, in Kansas City, my hometown. I was able to uh, talk to him. And uh, this is before the announcement of the Eintracht Legends. Uh, can you run that, run down the list of Eintracht Legends who are going to be kind of uh, out there, kind of almost kind of like, nah, this isn't really a PR stunt. This is more just kind of uh, bringing back some of the old-time players and trying to get their involvement as Eintracht grows as an international brand. Yeah, so first of all, like when I, when I met the guys from Eintracht Frankfurt uh, while I was in Frankfurt, you can really see that they want to do something, right? Internationalization for Frankfurt, Eintracht Frankfurt International is absolutely a priority to them, and I think they're doing a lot right right now. You know, it's like hard to say almost. Like I usually like to critique my, my, my club a little bit more, but uh, right now they don't give me a lot of uh, space to do so. So I just have to, I love what they're doing. And of course for me, because those guys are, of course, um, that's how I grew up with soccer, kind of, right? Despite maybe mm -hmm. Bum Cha, Bum Cha, uh, I've never seen him play. I was too young. Even though I did, I don't know, I think I mentioned that before. Uh, he lived in, on our street. So it was basically at the time where soccer, play, where soccer players did not have a big mansion. They had a little row house. Mm. And uh, Bum Cha was living across the street, um, neighbors of a good friend of mine. And I actually was, uh, I was a... Uh, a toddler and actually i took a bath with her daughter you know like um with hannah uh we we all did you know as little kids do and yeah so i was i i, I bathed with with hannah and my friends obviously were like three four five kids i don't remember anything of it but uh, only the photos but um uh yeah so boom is big big story uh, of course and his and when <laughs> his son then played for frankfurt uh, there was a, a good, uh, um, good times, you know. Oh, like it was horrible times for Frankfurt, but good times too uh, um, for them. And like uh, Oka Nikolov, of course, you know, like a, a legend. And of, but but mainly Yeboah Okocha to see those two guys. That was uh, for me goosebumps. And on Twitter, I don't know if you've seen or, or you've seen the photo uh, that Fyotov took the photo of. That I had goosebumps. Mm -hmm. It was like holy shit is this happening like why are they all together in one in one on one photo it's like uh ah, it's unbelievable it's uh it's it's what got me into that team and why i why i'm doing this stuff right it's uh, the passion and everything and um and a little side note, though, we didn't really see that because he wasn't on the photo. But Chen Yang is also one of those guys. I don't know if you if you are aware of Chen Yang. He's a Chinese player for us, and um, um, he he's also now one of the legends as as a Markenbotschafter. He's like a a brand ambassador for Eintracht Frankfurt for the Chinese market, probably. 
so so it's good, you know, international wise. I mean, we got with Yeboa and Okocha, we got Africa, got a groom, got a groom, and actually it's still funny. So still, when I'm in San Francisco and I take an Uber, and often the taxi drivers are from Nigeria, right, or Ghana, and then I talk about them, and then I mention just mention Yeboa and Okocha, and we just get along like so well. It's so. It's such a combining feeling, you know, that, that we all have because, like, um, yeah, when you talk to, uh, to people in general from Africa and you just mention these, these players, um, everyone just knows them. It's an, it's an era in the 90s where, um, yeah, where African players, I wonder where they are now, you know, they, we need more African players again. Um, but, yeah, anyway, so it opened up my heart this whole thing and i'm super glad that they are uh, that we might see more of them you know that's what i hope that will be know? great if we can see them at the florida cup that would yeah. be awesome so that all being said need to roll to the break uh but before that hashtag what are we drinking roman what do you got oh i'm uh, i'm having a lagunitas ipa uh um petaluma california from the hometown of george lucas um that's what I'm. Uh, that's what I'm having here. A good old IPA. I'm staying with a good old American <sighs> beer myself. Got Sam Adams. Uh, gonna be cracking into the uh, the. Got the Boston Lager rolling with me. So mm-hmm. to that, I say Prost. Prost. And with that, we go into segment two, where we start talking about all things Bundesliga and all things Schalke. So stay with. And now to talk a little bit about the rest of the Bundesliga as Eintracht takes on Schalke 04. Uh, we bring along one of the uh, co-hosts of the Schalke podcast in English and a reoccurring uh, Schalke expert to Hey Eintracht Frankfurt, Jack Mangan. Uh, well, hello, Jack. Good evening, gentlemen. Thank you for having me. Hey, Jack. No problem at all. Glad no to have you. At all. So, exactly. Uh being warm and welcoming, and as in, uh, fans of any German football club will want to know, what is a good what is a good Bundesliga fan uh, like yourself like to uh, drink during a match? Or what uh, hashtag What are you drinking? At the moment, I am drinking something that is not even remotely related to German soccer, and that would be a, uh, a Japanese whiskey, uh, the co- the coffee grain whiskey from the Nika Distillery. Um, that is uh, a little bit pricier of a bottle that I tend to spring for, but it is uh, a beautiful, beautiful whiskey, and I would highly recommend that to anybody who is a a fan of whiskey in general, regardless of the style. Nice. You gotta you gotta take a photo and uh, send it over Twitter and hashtag us. What are we drinking? And then we will know what to buy next time we want to impress somebody with a Japanese whiskey. I will do that absolutely. There we go. There we go. So, Eintracht Frankfurt, Schalke Nufia. Um, enjoying a little bit of a bump when it does come to playing in Europe. Uh, Schalke, just like the Eintracht, came away from the their most Euro- recent European fixture uh, in defeating Galatasaray at the Schalke Arena. Uh, or is it Arena out of Schalke? I know that they have to rename it due to uh, those weird naming rights uh, that UEFA has no... says cannot be a part of the game despite the fact that they have you know more than a few uh issues when it comes to money themselves um yeah it's either the uh, nil victory for Schalke over Galatasaray and you're guaranteed at least uh playing in uh in the spring 
Yeah, so I, I usually hear it referred to as either the Developments Arena or the Arena Auf Schalke. Um, those are the two ones it, it generally goes by. But uh, yeah, uh, good stretch of European form for us to to start the season, which has been um, quite a welcome departure from what our domestic form has been, generally speaking. Well, it's better than Hanover or Dusseldorf or, or Stuttgart. <laughs> not by much. Not by <laughs> as much as I would like. Well, you know, that that being said, let's get to a little bit of what Shaka's been up to. So, five match days in. Uh, the first five, kind of like uh, the matches under Weinzel, uh currently at Stuttgart, a team that you guys, let's see, you guys still have them left to play in the uh, uh, Hinrunde, uh, the the final match of the Hinrunde. So, you guys will be able to find out if uh, one, you know, you're better after a five-loss uh, stretch uh, than Stuttgart has been basically being under. But you guys have kind of rebounded in the fact that you've won three of your last five. Uh, the In your last five, the only defeat being that to Werder Bremen. Uh, not that that's uh, anything to sneer at. Werder Bremen being a respectable side and also dropping points to uh, Leipzig. Um, outside of the first five, you guys have done... Better, you guys have seemed to have turned the corner, but you know, with all the um, players who have come and gone, Benedict Hovedes uh, went to Lokomotiv Moscow, uh, Tito Kea went to Paris Saint Germain for close to forty million. Can we get a round of applause for actually Goretzka. selling a player for once <laughs> instead of letting them go? I mean, we're, we're gonna get to Goretzka go for free, Maya go for free. You're not even going to uh, let me have two seconds to appreciate the $40 million for Kara before you go into Goretzka and Meyer? Damn. Uh, no, yeah, yeah. It's uh, Actually, I don't think that Meyer is really uh, – I think he's probably kicking himself because he's realizing, oh, God, I'm really going down on Chet Creek. Yeah, I don't really understand the uh, the move to, to Crystal Palace. That's that's not that's not a uh, an upward move, and that's not even really a horizontal move in my opinion. That is a, That is a step down and a step below for him. Um, you know, going from the second team in the Bundesliga last season to and and a Champions League team this year uh, to to that squad, but uh, at least we got something for Tilo Care, which was a, a welcome departure from our our normal mode of of business, which is not really business at all, but is really for us to just be a charity talent factory for all of Europe and give our players away for free. Yeah, well, we 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 were in the same boat for a very long time. I mean, we only had good players on loan and all the other ones were shit. And you got Mascarel, right, basically from us uh, for a fraction of the of the price. Well, no, no, no. They had to pay the full price. Well, so Real Madrid activated their buy-on clause and you paid Real Madrid the full asking price. So Real Madrid was able to spend, oh, what was that, uh, make a four, six million euro profit and basically letting us do all the heavy lifting. Yeah. Does Madrid even need that money, honestly? That's what I thought really as well. Can't um, they just give well, it to us? Well, if you've seen the way that they've been playing this season... Uh, yeah, but not do. this little so money. the fact that they lost... Uh, one, he of uh, the greasy hair and uh, fake tan, you know, uh, Real Madrid has been pretty bad. Are you talking I about Canaplianca or Cristiano Ronaldo? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I am talking, of course, of Ronaldo. I mean, it's pretty woeful when your second captain 
is one of the worst fullbacks in the world, the history of the world. And yes, I'm talking about Marcelo. The boy can have a world-class moment, but more than likely he's going to have five regional Liga moments before the next world-class moment. So it's kind of, you know, pick your poison on that one. Wow, harsh criticism. Uh, look, there's there are a few there are a few teams out there that you know I can even stomach. Real Madrid is not one. Granted, you know they do have um, what I, who I would say is probably the very best, and this is kind of throws most people usually for the very best player from the Concacaf region on their books, and yet they for some reason thought he was not good enough despite winning, you know, what, uh, one La Liga title and three Champions League titles with him between the sticks, you know, replacing Kelo Navas with Thibaut de Gautois. I mean, that team is absolutely in shambles. They brought in a guy on no money. Man, I didn't expect that we would be talking about Real Madrid, but, I mean, here's hoping that, you know, they drop into, you know, uh, the Europa League and Eintracht can get some revenge on them for a certain match in uh in uh, Glasgow in uh what was Roman was that fifty nine or is that sixty that we were running? That was sixty. Well, obviously, we got the championship fifty nine. So then the um, the Champions League title would have been sixty the year after. Well, I mean, wow. there's a small hope that they can drop into the Europa League. I mean. CSK Moscow has to uh, kind of put on the big yeah. one pants. But, but let's go back to Schalke. Yeah. Let's go back to Schalke. So, Jack, like, <laughs> tell me. Yeah, so the Royal Blues, you guys have added on some good muscle, though. Uh, I lost Salve you Sané from uh, Hanover, one of the really good performers from there. I think Hanover is really missing that guy. Uh, Mark Oot on a free from Hoffenheim. He hasn't seemed to have been firing yet, but I think it's only a matter of time. And Sebastian Rudi. Uh, has come from Bayern München after he realized, yep, I made a big old mistake, and, uh, you know, he jumped ship, and pretty wise to do so. What of the kind of new signs that have been brought in? i kind of been wondering, scratching my head, and wondering out loud to myself, have you guys done enough in terms of replacing what you've lost? So I definitely thought that we that we had, although our results early in the season would maybe not have suggested that. Uh, I mean, the two biggest areas of concern in the summer for me were obviously uh, replacing Goretzka and Meyer to whatever extent that you can do that. Um, you know, it's obviously a tall task given the quality of those two young German internationals. But um, I mean, that was that was one thing was you know bolstering the midfield and also uh, trying to address the the attacking woes that the team. Had last year, you know, despite our high table finish, um, we scored a lot of goals from from set pieces, from corners, from penalties. I think we converted like eleven of eleven or something like that. So just just a very unsustainable uh, goal scoring record off of uh, those kinds of plays, and not you know not breaking teams down from open play. So we really needed to make some improvements on the offensive end as well. Uh, Mark Hoot had a great season last year for Hoffenheim was somebody that I was optimistic could really kind of be that talisman striker for us up top to, you know, pair with a guy like Guido Bergstaller, who, you know, is, is as good of a job as he's done for us since picking him up from the spider Bundesliga, uh, Nuremberg. Um, you know, he's, he's not a guy that's, that's going to lead the line from you and, and knock in, you know, 20, 25 goals a season or anything like that. You know, you know, he's, he's like a 10 goal a season kind of guy, maybe 12, maybe 15 on a good year. So, um, you know, that Mark Uth signing I thought was going to be very important, but, um, you know, he really didn't hit the ground running uh, 
early in the season, although it, it's hard to tell how much of that was, was him and how much of that was just sort of the general uh, play of the team because the team has certainly not uh, been helping him at all, giving, doing him any favors, giving him any service. So, um, yeah, it's been a, it's been a weird, weird – it's been hard to judge, I think, some of the signings just because the team as a whole has played so poorly. You don't really know – where to direct the blame. I think once shout and we have started turning in. Well, I know who you direct the blame. At, but <laughs> yeah. Leave, who do I'll you leave, blame? I'll leave Franco well, it's, DeSanto yeah, it's, alone It's hard to here. direct the blame at him when he's not on the pitch, which he hasn't been recently, thankfully. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think Schalke is beginning to turn around and, and, and if that continues, it'll be easier to start uh, judging these signings. You know, when the team is playing better as a unit, it'll be easier to kind of pick out individuals and say, you know, this person's underperforming or this guy's causing a problem. But it's been so messy for the majority of the start of the season that it's really difficult to feel good about putting the blame on any one person. Well, here's something that I kind of have been wondering about Schalke. So, you know, it was a lot, of, as you mentioned, a lot of converting penalties, converting, you know, chances from set pieces i think really shanka was able to let other t- kind of you know res- be the team that sort of was uh i don't know if a team that responded to another team's actions probably would be the best way to explain the way that shaka played last year and i think that you know suddenly it's like you know, you're able to react and, you know, take the ball away from a team when they're trying to attack you, counterattack them really quickly, and get yourself some good opportunities there. But once you're given, you know, the space, once you're given the time on the ball, I think that's something that Schalke has, with Domodetico, Tedesco, you know, as the manager, I think that that's something that they have had to, they're trying to adapt and still in the process of doing so, it just has not gone off very smoothly. Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting way of looking at it, I guess. I feel like last year, if we went behind, it wasn't as big of a deal for us because we just got lucky on so many of those those set pieces or we'd get a penalty and we were able to bail ourselves out. This year, um, it's so much more important for us to try to get on the front foot in the match early on because we just haven't been able to score those goals. And so if we go down in the match, chances are we aren't catching up. Um, and uh, it's it, sometimes... It, Tedesco's answer to that has been um, a little bit of desperation, in my opinion. And we've seen in a couple matches, particularly in some of the more high-profile ones against Bayern Munich and RB Leipzig, that uh, his his strategy has essentially been long balls and and nothing but long balls, yeah. um, which is not an effective. Sounds like um and ve yeah. tactics. A little there. bit, yeah. I mean, but it's even in even in the Hanover match um, recently, the first twenty minutes or so of that. Um, it's he's like he completely abandons the short passing game and any sort of build up, and he just is hoofing long balls for you know guys to run on. And if it's Bergstaller chasing that down, you don't like his chances of that because he's not the most athletic guy. So um, yeah, it, it's been it, it's been difficult to kind of diagnose exactly what's going on there, uh, but it definitely hasn't been the uh, the ideal start that we were hoping for on the heels of a successful season last year. And do you feel like people are like? How is how's the coach perceived? Like, do you think it's like, oh, okay, that's not an issue, or do you feel like raising concerns about his style of of, of practice, or you know, the kind of defense? Like, would you say that the the lack of create creativity is kind of missing in the game? Do people mm-hmm. is, is he in discussion, or you think he's in a in a safe seat, even if he keeps on losing one two more games? Well, he's definitely going to lose one he's- more game, so. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's been criticized and, and I think 
deservedly so, but I, I think it's been interesting because I, I do feel that the general sentiment of the fans is not a Tedesco out sentiment. Um, I think despite some of the criticism that he's, he's faced, the vast majority of people still feel very positively about him and the team and are not looking to, uh, you know, ax him anytime soon. Um, he's a young coach. Yeah. you got to keep in mind, you know, with all the success he had last year, that was his first uh, job coaching in the top flight. I mean, he had maybe, what was it, like 11 games at, at Owl, uh the previous season, saving them from yeah. relegation. And that was, that was his first, you know, top flight managerial job you know at, at, at a senior team or whatever so um he's got a lot of learning to do and it's, it's not always going to be a smooth ride you can't expect to replicate the success of last season but at the same time I mean, he does deserve criticism for what's what's been going on and you know i think i think our success last year kind of spared him some of the criticism that he should have been giving i was trying to voice that criticism on the podcast last year and be a voice for that saying mm-hmm. hey you know you know our offense is not nearly as good as it appears to be we're getting these results and everything, but we're not creating a lot of goals. And once again, that, uh, some of the goal production we had last year was really unsustainable, but we got away with it because we got lucky on so many other things. That was never going to continue to that extent, and I think we've it's been exposed early into this campaign, um, and it's been a struggle for him to react and, and find a way to get those goals going. He's played around with the formation. I think, I mean, like pretty much all of last season, you saw Schalke come out in a a 3-5-2 or a 5-3-2, whatever you want to call it. And you saw him abandon that a few matches into the year in favor of like a 4-2-3-1 to try to just throw another look at it and see if anything would stick. I mean, you had, he had Weston McKenney playing at striker in one match as a second striker. Um, I mean, you could, I mean, you could tell that fullback in another, I seem to recall. Granted, the dude is flexible, but I mean, any American is just like, what the Sam Hill is going on? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a difference between being flexible and playing like literally every position except for keeper. Um, that's a little out of, out of the realm of the ordinary, I think. But mm-hmm. uh, but but yeah, I mean, I, I think overall people are still fairly positive about him and are willing to give him a chance and just kind of ride this season out. But um, you know, things do need to improve, and, and luckily we've been seeing a little bit of improvement. Recently, yeah. as you said earlier on the pod, you know, lost five consecutive games to start the domestic campaign, but um, three wins, a draw, and a loss since then. The loss coming to Werder Bremen, who has been a you know surprisingly competent team this season, and then uh, undefeated in, in Europe, undefeated in the Champions League through four match days. So it's not all doom and gloom, and um, you know, we, we, we scored. Two goals against Galatasaray, three goals against Hanover. You finally saw Mark get on the score sheet um, and Bolo getting out on the action as well. So those are all positive signs for Schalke going forward. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm, I'm usually a big fan of keeping coaches even a little longer than, uh, than, than usual. Um, because, you know, things can happen. Even Martin Skippy? Who do you mean? Michael oh, Skippy? oh, Michel Skippy. Yeah. Well, he, he was a long time, though. You know, so it's like not that... Uh, See, but and then we have Christophe. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. So, yeah, yeah but Mr. Cocaine. Yeah, yeah. Himself. But this, this is this is different, <laughs> right? So, because now we're talking about the the modern style of of coaching, and uh, it's a little bit different than the old style, you know, where people are saying, "Ah, oh, guys, go out, play soccer, have fun," you know, and 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 you know, like there was not really the whole tactical point wasn't uh, as big. Um, as it is now, you know, and and uh, I, I would absolutely say that uh, Tedesco is an absolute uh, professional uh, coach. You know, he knows what he's doing, and if he gets some time, he's also going to find solutions. Um, you know, because it's not just going to be 
plain uh, plain discussions. You know, like I mean, Faye, for example, um, he didn't have any solutions. You know, if the coach goes up and says like, uh, "Ooh, I'm gonna wear my ne new jacket next time, so uh, we may win." You know, or when the, like I mean, Faye, <laughs> you know, when he comes up, it's like, "Oh, we lose at home, we win outside, so maybe let's just switch the seats and at home in the arena, so uh, we now sit on the away side." And this is the kind of shit where I say, "Okay, now let the coach <laughs> let the coach go." Obviously, he has no clue, you know. And uh, and and the new style of coaches, they don't have the shit anymore. You know, they don't look in what jacket to wear in order to win, or you know which side uh, they they put the home team on. You know, it's more, you know, they try to find solutions. And that's where also Kovac is going to run. Um, is going to be successful in Bayern <laughs> if they let him, right? Because he's a good coach. But, of course, if he's going to become a lame duck, um, that's the end of every coach. And then you can be good enough. Well, you kind of hint at something. We wanted to get to that, Jack, before we start getting into prediction time. When it does come down... For Eintracht to play, but how Schalke. do you, this, Jack? For Everyone a second, has been hearing about this Bayern no, Super for a second. League. I, sorry, sorry, Brian. If I come back, so Jack, tell me a little bit. What do you think? What have you heard about Eintracht so far? Mm -hmm. Like when you hear Eintracht Frankfurt this season, what is your little rundown on, uh, on yeah, on that? I mean, so going into the year, everyone was most people, at least from what I experienced, were were very down on them heading into the season. Um, you know, obviously the departure of Niko Kovac to Bayern Munich, the loss of several key players as well. I mean, there were some people that were talking about Frankfurt as potential relegation candidates. Um, uh, Richard and I went on uh, the Kings of Europe podcast. I don't know if you're familiar with that, with Critty Smith. Um, and we did a kind of a full Bundesliga season preview. Um, I defended Frankfurt to an extent from that from that relegation talk. <laughs> I thought you would be significantly better than that. I, just, I still thought there was just far too much quality in your squad for that kind of a drop to go off. But I did, if I'm actually, I'm going to check this. Plus there's Mainz and Freiburg still rattling exactly, around. Exactly, yeah. Like, for God's yeah. sakes. Um, I'm going to check this while I'm talking to you, but I believe I had you somewhere around mid-table preseason. Yeah. yeah, I actually had you dead 10th in my preseason predictions. Um, obviously you have far exceeded that so far. I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, you're tied for like second most goals scored. I mean, you've been absolutely pouring them in so uh, much better form than i think almost anybody once we, once we figured out that uh put up jovic and the rest of the running buffaloes you know <laughs> <laughs> sebastian alea danny da costa find his things kostic Rebic, and even running and even running the stick figurine that is uh gasinovic you know <laughs> running bowls gasinovic I'm, I'm a fan of him i think he's a sneaky player but so i'm, I'm interested to hear uh, what your thoughts were heading into the season. He's just the size of someone's ankle. <laughs> <laughs> He's, uh... I'm sorry. I He has bulked up some over the last uh, like couple of years playing with Eintracht, but good Lord Almighty. Feed that boy a T-bone stick. Yeah, but then he's the total opposite. Puts a man on his bones. Good God Almighty. I mean, look, is is he... I'm pretty sure there are Victoria's Secret models who probably have like more muscle than that dude. Send him on loan to Schalke. We'll put him to work in the coal mines for a bit, and he'll bulk up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he's going to survive that though. That would be the problem. But I think we're good because like we got our big bulls with Rebic and Haller, you know, and like this. Uh, the, I think we, we you just need that as well, you know, like the little the the 
the uh, the more defined like the you know, the running back so to say you know you don't need the big the big guy yeah, up yeah. there you know you've got to be fast no, holding quick. on holding on to Rebic in the offseason I think was was huge for you guys I mean I remember watching the World Cup and and Rebic had something of sort of a breakout performance on the world stage and so many people being like who is this guy and you know fans of the Bundesliga and people that have watched Eintracht Frankfurt know all about him and it, it was it was great that you're able to maintain him and not, you know, ship him off to Manchester United or any of the other clubs that were looking at him in the summer. He's a, he's a great player. Yeah, it's, he's, he's really like a bull. If he hits I mean, the ball, just unstoppable. Just the phrase, Bruder schlang der Ball lang. Yeah. <laughs> Which, uh, Jack, uh, that, that was the big catchphrase uh, after the Paul Carr, because if you saw his goals, I mean, he just outpaced everybody on Bayern. And for some reason, when Kovac said, I want to get him, uh, the Bayern board said he is not a Bayern quality player, which you know is now blowing up right in their faces. Considering yeah, they the were they were just salty having, about his but, performances mm. against them, and I don't think they could take that pride hit. Yeah, in sour, all fairness, sour. in all we've fairness, seen how sensitive the Bayern board has been recently, right? Oh God, with the whole uh, we don't. Yeah, but in all fairness, criticism of our players debacle. Frankfurt wanted wanted a bet forty million, and then and, the, then uh, and you know like. Yeah, well, Wasn't anyways. it? Uh, let's see who recently. Let's see who's recently criticized Bayern Munich, and they've had to, you know, then have to turn around and be like, "Oh, we're sorry that this happened." You know, release statements. It was Thomas Müller's own wife during, you know, like who put out uh, that Instagram post, and they had to come out with a statement yeah. that said, you know, the and force her. Uh, Lisa, there we go. Now I was trying to find out who's. They they just uh, won't tolerate any dissent, man. It's absolutely absurd. This is the biggest club in in the Bundesliga, one of the bigger clubs in the world, and uh, you know everything goes seems to go right for them all the time. And the second they slip up even a little bit and they face a little bit of criticism, yeah, they just call the ambulance immediately. But but Roman, going going back to your (laughs) point. I mean, the $40 million, well, that's what happens when you actually manage players' contracts effectively. Yeah. And, you know, you have them locked up while they're reaching the height of their desirability to other European clubs, something that Schalke knows almost nothing about. Um, well, this is the first know, time we, 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 we are can't demand $40 million for a player uh, when, you know, they can walk away from the club and leave three months later. So um, I think you guys handled that pretty well. Bayern is the kings of picking up guys yeah. for free, as they have shown with uh, Leon Goretzka. And players before that, uh, oh golly, I'm forgetting uh, who is who did they take from us a couple of years back on free? Oh, every uh, Roda. So, uh, Roda, 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 and you know, did nothing there mostly because the coach was just like, I have this. Oh, and uh, Lewandowski, another player who's you know was signed on free, you know. Hey, I'm excited for Alfonso Davies, the Canadian, an MLS prospect, a prospect from uh, the North American continent to have a chance there. But, you know, the more that Bayern suffers, the better. I love Nico Kovac for what he was able to yeah. do to Eintracht Frankfurt, get us the Pokal after so many years without trophies. But looking at the Bundesliga table, um, you've got to be wondering and scratching your head and thinking, uh, can anyone catch Borussia Dortmund? Because I'm thinking that even Pep, uh, Pep's Guardiola's Bayern Munich would have a tough, tough ask at trying to catch Bruce Dortmund, who I think are now, look, this weekend we'll decide whether the title race is full stop on or if Bruce Dortmund's just going to walk away with it because, you know, if uh, they win their Classicer, horrible name for a rivalry, horrible. just saying, Riviera Derby kind of 
promotes more kind of anger but you know that's kind of very specific to someone but at least now they're calling the hoffenheim likes again el plastico you know so that kind of makes sense well, that's great wasn't that leverkusen and the wolfsburg and i mean there's a whole bunch of plasticos yeah. now with you know the leipzigs the hoffenheims the wolfsburgs the leverkusens despite the fact that you know wolfsburg and leverkusen fans will say Oh, but we've been around the Bundesliga for a very, very long time. Well, I guess more so with Leverkusen as they have won actual things. And Wolfsburg has a league title. Weirdly enough, the last league title to be won by a team not called Dortmund or Munich was Wolfsburg 10 years ago. Yikes. Um, That's when folk, before Volkswagen tried boys. to cheat. Yeah, yeah I'm <laughs> kidding. Looking at the Bundesliga table, boys. In terms of teams who are going to get relegated... I still thought that it would be Hanover and Dusseldorf, Stuttgart down there at the bottom two. Will they pull out of it? Will they bring Newberg uh, back into the race? Or is it really going to be one of the big boys uh, uh, really going to talk about Stuttgart or Hanover, teams that have been in the Bundesliga recently, who are going down? Well, I had uh, preseason predictions. I had Nuremberg and, and Dusseldorf as being the uh, the seventeenth and eighteenth place teams respectively, with the, actually Wolfsburg just outside of that. Wolfsburg has exceeded my expectations. <laughs> oh, they're going to be back down. I think they're. Uh, but uh, yeah, that would be highly unfortunate if another team like Stuttgart went back down again. Um, that's a team that I would yeah. love to see just kind of stick around a little they bit. They spent a lot of money uh, right behind you guys in terms of the most amount of euros spent this off season. They spent a lot of money, and if they go down. Oh, yeah, it's not I working mean, out for either of us oh, so far, really, is, uh, which is <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, you guys still have a little bit of distance between you guys. And that's the thing uh, I've been harping on. You just needed to watch the replay of our match against those guys. It did not yeah. look. It wasn't even that, That's the thing I would say to keep in mind. That's the thing I've been harping on on the Schalke podcast so far all season. There, there are some people on, you know, especially on Twitter, which is a very insane place to have conversations but that are you know they were armageddon immediately Schalke's going to get relegated this and that all this nonsense i mean the fact of the matter is we're only 10 match days into the season we're sitting at Schalke's sitting with 10 points we're three points off of off of ninth from 14th you know what i mean like there just haven't been that many mm-hmm. games played so things can change very quickly if we put in a couple good results the here or there it's kind of nice and compact exactly yeah i mean there's a there's a lot of ground that can be made up relatively quickly if you just string a couple wins together now that's obviously easier mm-hmm. said than done particularly when you've played as poorly as Schalke have played so far this year but um i mean yeah there's a lot of time left in this in this season we're less than you know what like a third of the way into it um so, yeah, I mean, we'll see how it goes. It's definitely a little bit too early to, to make any concrete judgments about where people are going to end up. I'm just saying there's a four-point gap between 15th and 16th right now. Not exactly a very good spot to be in, especially when you are only able to pick up points at home, as both Dusseldorf and Stuttgart have. But that all being said, let's kind of focus a little bit about the thing that's been r- pissing off everybody in the Bundesliga right now. It's Bayern Munich yet again. Because, <laughs> I mean, they can't do anything, right? Well, they and got a good coach, might, but that's about know, it. Der Spiegel. Yeah. Der Spiegel coming out with the Super League bollocks. I'm kind of... So, I'm a conspiracy theorist in some <laughs> fashion. I actually think that, you know, this is something that uh, Bayern Munich had, you know, 
been part, you know, of kind of constructing. But in terms of making sure that when it came to renegotiating with UEFA, the power teams of the world, so your Milan's, your Juventus, your Real Madrid, your Barcelona's, your Manchester United, your Liverpool's, uh, the whatever London team that is good at the very that moment in time. Your PSG is basically teams who are moving the needle economically speaking in a very large way. I think that this was part of the part like this being released was actually on purpose so that everyone would be able to see. Yes, this is why uh, the big fi- the big four leagues now have four Champions League teams guaranteed. And the likes of, you know, France is kind of left out hanging and the other countries of the world, uh, your, uh, your Russia's, your Portugal's, you know, are always going to be, you know, they're letting the tail wag the dog in this point. Soccer should be a team that is rewarding based on, you know, competition instead. You know, it's basically like, oh, us Italian teams can't seem to get a third team in there, but we have all this history. We should be able to demand X, Y, and Z, which has been said on multiple occasions from these guys. Am I crazy in thinking this is conspiracy theory, or are you just like, let's just be, let's just kick Byron while they're down and kick them hard until they bleed? I'd like to say I was shocked by <laughs> all of this news, but I mean, we all know how absurdly corrupt international soccer is just yeah. I mean, on, a, on a global scale I mean it shouldn't be really surprising to anybody that these kind of conversations are happening behind closed doors um, I mean it's all about money these days and you know the rich are trying to get richer that sort of thing um, I mean I, I, don't, I don't know about your conspiracy theory angle there but I mean who knows whatever but I mean it's this was this was news initially to me that off the bat I hated and then I've given it some thought and I kind of don't hate it as much, but overall, I. St- Do we really want? I mean, come no, on. This is Do the only thing really I'll say. I mean, Real Madrid take on Bayern course. Munich like fifteen yeah, times absolutely. a year. The, the one no. thing I'll say is like, I mean, everyone complains constantly about how uncompetitive the Bundesliga is. Now, this is obviously a bad year for this news to break, given that Bayern Munich currently sits in third place. Um, but generally speaking, they're locking up the title every season with weeks to spare. Um, you know, one way to fix that would be for Bayern Munich to no longer be in the Bundesliga. Now, once again, I'm not saying I'm advocating for this, and I do think the idea is pretty ludicrous. But um, I, in some in some ways, They've there could be some benefits. Enough. It would make some of these leagues significantly oh God, more yeah. competitive on Absolutely. the top end, and people would be more invested in it. You know, if Bayern's gone, if Dortmund's gone, um, and I, I guess Schalke was named in those leagues as well. I don't know why Schalke would be interested in doing that other than purely money because they're just going to get demolished in the Super League. Um, I mean, they can't compete against Barcelona and Real Madrid and those teams, but um, yeah, I mean, you'd be—I mean, you'd be looking at a, a top of the table that would have you know Leipzig and Gladbach and Frankfurt and, and those kind of teams going at it without you know the competition of Bayern. I mean, maybe that would be a good thing. I, I don't know. It's—it's it's an interesting thing to consider, but uh, yeah, I mean, on, on yeah. face value, it, it definitely just looks like you know just yet another money grab, and you just—you just wonder how much is enough for these people. At some point, it, it's it would it would definitely be awful for the history of these leagues and the rivalries and the storylines that we have, you know, season nah, in, season I, out. 
So two points, two Go point, on. two points for me. Um, I think on the on the one hand, I don't, I don't, I don't ever see them leaving the Bundesliga. Unfortunately, I mean that would be perfect for me. I think that would be very good for the Bundesliga because it would kind of level out the playing fields, and they would become coming back begging, right? Because like the the teams without the league just won't work. Because like first of all, even if they have a league of sixteen. And they're not, not going to be any relegation and nothing like this. Like, what's going to happen if Bayern becomes 10th or 11th, like, all the time? You know, like, what the fuck's that going to mean? You know, like... I mean, exactly, yeah. Like, like, this is going to be, like, the most boring league in the world. And the Bayern, they're going to be like, oh, my God, what have we done? Or whoever's going to be um, uh, the teams that are uh, going to be 10th, 10th to 16th, you know? Like, how is the game going to look like? If you already know you're not going to win it... There's nothing else in between. And how is the Barcelona-Real uh, Madrid game going to be interesting if, uh, if, if they're like the, the 12th against the 15th? You know, like, it's just <laughs> going to be shit. Like, nobody's going to watch it, right? So they're never going to leave their national leagues because they're not that stupid. They are stupid, but they're not stupid. That's point number one. They got some stupid men at the top. Yeah, so here's honest. the reason why the whole thing comes up, right? And I do have my <laughs> aluminum hat on right now, right? So here, here I have it. I'm, I'm going to put it on right now. So um, uh, it's, it's not a conspiracy theory. It's an investor-driven soccer. And what do investors want? Obviously, they want to make more money. Some of these investors are not only in for the game. It's not about... Uh, maybe the Abramovich style and the clapping, you know, that the rich guy wants to be on the throne and, and has the peasants play for them. You know, that's one motivation. Um, <laughs> yeah, seriously, right? I mean, we've got to be honest. And, like, that's what American soccer is, right? In Ameri uh, soccer, sorry, sorry, in American football. In American football, you have this rich, old, white dude, you know, who's, like, standing, you know, on, 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 on top of the game. And then you have the peasants play for him. That's kind of like how it, how it seems to me as a, as a German. And, uh, and, and that's what's like happening with the, like American investors like Glazer and all the one that Manchester United, they want money back. Some of them, you know, they're also, it's an investment for them and they want money back. And if you want money, if you don't want to make money, you've got to max it out. That's how it works in the business world. And it's not even bad, you know, that's just how it goes. And uh, then, of course, you have to see where your limits And the limits are definitely in the U in the UEFA and um, um, in the in, in, in the in the in the kind of association style soccer where you do have regulations that they don't take shit about regulations is, is another thing, um, but that's where things go. So if you want to make money, if you want to grow the business, but you have limits, you got to get rid of the limits or you got to work on the limits, and that's what they've been working on. So it's a logical consequences that they were thinking, okay, how do we can break out of these limits, and we can use that even even just by thinking about it and planning we can use that as a leverage to uh, in negotiations in for future terms right what, uh, what what we talked about before what you mentioned brian um, but on the other hand we can keep this option on the table because at some point we want to make money and if the the shakes in in qatar right they don't care about eintracht frankfurt and they don't care about lyon and they don't care about olympic marseille they care about Uh, 200 Chinese people watching uh, a, um, a, a, um, a Paris Saint-Germain against Real Madrid, ideally in Singapore, uh, and like with... <laughs> That's what they care about, right? Because it's an, it's an advertising thing, you know? It's like an investment yeah. for Qatar. They want to get the rich Chinese people uh, or the rich whoever, like, go, not go to Paris, like, travel to Qatar and buy gold and watches and whatever, you know? That's what the point is of these investors. 
and, and that's why this option is on the table. Um, and now I can take off my aluminum hat. Uh, yeah, that's, those are my two quick points. And that's why we talk about these things. Wow. Well, that went right down the rabbit hole, that, <laughs> just like I anticipated. So, that all being said, uh, I think we need to put a different sort of cap on, uh, our prediction caps, and predict how Eintracht Frankfurt will take on Schalke no Fia. Uh, this is going to be uh, shown in the United States of America on Fox Sports uh, 2. Uh, ah, well, you know gonna happen it's uh, just a way that uh fox seems to be always kind of drawing out the uh the late kickoffs the late kickoffs get fs1 we get fs2 ah uh, well you know we can whinge about it all we want fact of the matter is eintracht vodstadion versus shako nufia uh guest first jack what are you expecting oh man uh take down it in one go and then give it a I'm go. Gonna, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to go 3-1 Frankfurt. I'm going to give you guys the benefit of the doubt. Ooh, I'm going to say that you're going to keep riding your goal-scoring wave and Schalke is going to face another setback. Dude, I don't know. I mean, Schalke have definitely been turning things around recently, but I still have no com- confidence um, in this team at the moment, particularly when they're playing teams that are closer to the top end of the table. As I said, we just revert to long balls. Um, you know, there's a lack of confidence, a lack of uh, of short passing, build up, that sort of thing, and that, that's just not conducive to to trying to win a football match or getting any sort of results. So, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the benefit of the doubt and say that you're gonna keep riding high and uh, get out of here with a pretty nice victory. Roman, that being said, the final match before the November international break, before we uh, then enjoy American Thanksgiving and then the return of the Bundesliga. Uh, the weekend, little the week, the Friday and Saturday and Sundays uh, following Thanksgiving. So lucky for all of us here in the United States of America to get that right back. But before then, Eintracht versus Schalke, uh, just coming off a lovely match in the Europa League. Roman, how are you feeling about this one? Especially on, I should say, it should be noted uh, uh, in the United States. This is uh, Veterans Day or Armistice Day, as some people around the other world. Uh, call it a hundred years since uh, that was kind of established. What does the Eintracht do to Schalke? So here, of course, uh, I got to go with uh, Johann Wolfgang Goethe, right? A good old philosopher. Um, mm-hmm. Two souls live in my chest, right? And um, I, it's a very tough one, right? Because like I know my Eintracht, and this would be the perfect time where we kind of stop our our run. You know, um, there would there would be no di- so the, the diva, diva and the, it would be totally di- typical, you know, to help you guys off because usually we are the ones that you know help uh, uh, people who are teams who are already on the ground. You know, we like to give them a helping hands, giving a nice three points, you know, to uh, to to help them up again. However, like what I've been seeing in this team, like this herd of buffaloes, I don't know how to stop it. You know, can you really <laughs> stop it? And what we have now with a new coach, this is going to be, I think it's a, it's a new game, I kind of feel, right? Like before I would have said, yeah, with Kovac even, I would have said, oh, okay, we're trying to play very defensively and maybe see, do we get one or two goals? I think uh, Hütter, he's going to let, let go of the Buffaloes. And the way that they play, I don't see a defense really being able to stop Haller, uh, Rebic and Jovic even 
right now you know it's really tough i mean when you look at how rebic when he gets the ball or even like uh, when we saw against stuttgart when haller was just passing on the ball uh you know with a, with a backflip kind of like everyone breaks their bones with that but uh i think yeah i think we're gonna win uh, this game uh, however if we lose then i, I might i'm almost going to be happier if we lose because then i know where we are if we win the euphoria is just going to be crazy like if we win against schalke i don't know where this is going to go right like people are going to freak out i mean like we've been booming in the europa league like uh, winning all the games mm. we've played uh, very well and high also in the bundesliga right now obviously also in all fairness like the teams weren't that good and there was still the nuremberg match uh, maybe the legs are going to be tired, but um, I I I would actually match the three-one. I think the Buffaloes they're gonna they're gonna roll over, and if not, I have my old diva back. <laughs> I think that when it does come down to the scoreline, I think that Eintracht defense will remember what happened in Cyprus. And they'll be like, yeah, we're shutting this down. So, uh, Guido Bergstaller, uh, that boy is going to probably lose a leg <laughs> in the middle of, during the course of the match. Mark Oot uh, will probably be left alone and stranded. And Eintracht will put 2-0 score line on Schalke as we head off into the international break. Eintracht, hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed, that the Eintracht will be moving up a little further. I'd like to be able to catch uh, Leipzig, but let's be honest, it's kind of a tough ask. Uh, it's a real fun opportunity to kind of chase after him. But wouldn't it be amazing if, you know, Borussia Dortmund, I know, Jack, you're, as a Schalke fan, you're kind of like, Dortmund, you know, our rivals. But, you know, what if Eintracht, Leipzig, and uh, Brim and we're all all on top ahead of Bayern Munich in the standings at the end of 11 matches into the Bundesliga. I mean, what's not to <laughs> <laughs> If uh, considering we were talking about uh when you'd have uh, competition in the Bundesliga. But that all being said, that's going to wrap up this episode of Hey Eintracht Frankfurt. Uh like to appreciate Jack Mangan for joining us from uh the Schalke uh, podcast in English. Uh, Jack, where can we find uh, you guys in the social media landscape? Yeah, you can find the uh, well, you can find the podcast first and foremost. At, uh, we have a SoundCloud link as well as you can find us on iTunes. We usually tweet those out uh, every time a new pod is released. But on Twitter, you can find the podcast at SO4 underscore podcast. Uh, and you can find me at JM Mangan, J-M-M-A-N-G-A-N. So feel free to connect with me there. And Roman, where can we find you in social media? Well, landscape? you find me on Twitter on the SF Bay Eagles, and uh, yeah, that's the best way. And you can find me, uh, Brian Taters, at KCSGE on Twitter. You can follow follow the show. That is at HEFPON. Go to facebook.com slash HEFPON uh, for us on Facebook. Uh, new episode drops and news uh, can be found there. And if you want to be a part of any future Eintracht Frankfurt uh, competitions for some free swag, yeah, just like us there. And, uh, yeah, you'll get all the news and notes in regards to future competitions from there, in addition to subscribing to Hey Eintracht Frankfurt, wherever you find your podcasts. So from all of us here at Hey Eintracht Frankfurt, 
Tschüss. Beste Mannschaft weltweit. Beste Mannschaft weltweit. SGE.